Welcome to the 343 Ministries podcast, where we want to help you be the church right where you are. Whether at work or at home or with your friends or your families, we want to give you practical strategies that can help you build your communities in Christ wherever you are in life right now. So let's get started. Welcome back to the 343 Ministries podcast. I'm Todd Baker, your host, and just thrilled to be here with you again today. Have a great message and it's a continuance of, of what we've been talking through with humility and childlike faith. Uh, but I want to remind you and ask you the question we ask every week, what kind of community are you helping to build? And we get that from Matthew 15 verse 18, which says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And so what is it that God has placed in your heart to do that is so unique and so special and so different in your community that the power of Christ is leading you to change your community for good. I'll just give a quick recap of where we've been. We talked about what, how Jesus had, had uh, called a little child to him in Matthew 18, if you're following along. And he had the child stand among him, and he, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself or themselves, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus it does such a great job of helping us to see that our idea of greatness is different from God's. That the world's concept and the way greatness plays out is that you're number one in the polls, you're the number one candidate, you, you, you become the number one person in the company, um, you become the president who's number one, and there's nothing wrong with aspiring to that kind of greatness. But what what matters most is how are you doing it? What What is your heart? What's the state of your heart in the process, through the process, and as you serve in those particular roles? Humility is what is what greatness is is to God. And when you're willing to be humble, you will become great in his eyes. Now, he goes through and says the world thinks differently. And we unpacked that in the other podcast a few weeks ago. It says then in verse 16, and this is where we're really going to spend most of our time today. It says, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. So in other words, no one else is good enough to gain eternal life that way by doing enough good. The only person who can is God. What I want to clarify is that Jesus is not saying that this man can somehow inherit eternal life by obeying the commandments. There, it's really important to make that distinction is that obedience does not equal a relationship with God. Faith is what, we, is what establishes our relationship with God. Faith in Christ, that we have faith in Jesus, right? So there's this, there's this disconnect that this man reveals saying, look, 
I know that I can do some good things. And what is it that I have to do? What's the good thing that will help me to be able to experience eternal life? And Jesus says, you've got it. You've got it mixed up. You can do good things, all good kind of things, but it's not going to earn you eternal life. That comes by faith. Eternal life comes by faith in God. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, if you want to enter life, then, then start looking at the commandments. Start following God. Start asking questions. Start wrestling with those doubts in your mind. If you don't believe in God, that's okay. I'm not turning you away. Jesus wasn't turning him away. He was trying to have a conversation with this man. And the man jumps in right after Jesus says, obey the commandments, because he's so performance oriented. He's so focused on the acts that he can do because he thinks that establishing a relationship with God in particular is based on that. And he learned that just like a lot of the people did, which is why Jesus put a line in the sand. And if you turn back to Matthew chapter 5, in verse 20, he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness, unless all the good acts that you're doing, unless all of all of your the good things you think you're doing surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because they see they had set out all these laws in addition to the Ten Commandments, in addition to the Mosaic Law, to say these are the things that you need to be doing to have a relationship with God and to be good enough to have eternal life. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's, that's not how it works. Let me correct your understanding. This is a misunderstanding. And because Jesus finishes that, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so this guy has, I think, was wrestling with that same question. And the man jumps in and says, well, which ones? And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a, a great point. This is the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and fifth commandments in that order. Plus, he adds the greatest commandment that Jesus gave from Leviticus 19.18, to love your neighbor as yourself. And notice that these are all commandments that deal with what he calls observable behavior. So observable behavior. So, so you can know that you're, that you're by your observation <laughs> whether you're doing these things or not. And the man claims that he's kept all of them. Listen to his response. Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And before I jump into that, he's essentially saying, well, I'm perfect. I'm complete. I'm good enough because of my obedience. And, and see, he, this is what he was, didn't realize is that that's actually a prideful position. <laughs> That's the antithesis of humility. But in this case, this man is saying, I've, I've never even thought of hurting someone in the sense of do not murder. I've never even considered committing adultery. I've never even thought about stealing anything. I would never give false testimony ever and never have. I honor my father and mother every day. I've never missed that. And I am always loving my neighbor as myself. 
And what Jesus says is, he, he answers it in, 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 in verse 21 and says this, Well, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And so Jesus puts this offer out there to say, look, be my disciple and learn. But see, that takes humility. This man wasn't looking for humility. He was looking for a way to earn it himself. And Jesus said, that's not, that's not the offer here. The kingdom of heaven and eternal life is not offered to us by way of payment, which is so backwards to us, isn't it? The, the things that, that we believe in this world are valuable are the things that we can buy. As we're getting close to Christmas time, that's what we think about, isn't it? We think of well, what's the shiniest thing, what's the newest thing? I need the newest model, I need the newest toy, I need the newest computer, I need the newest phone, I need the latest technology. And all those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing evil about a new phone unless you just can't get your eyes off of the screen for five minutes. And Jesus is saying, look, and he'll, he'll say this in a second, but th this man is distracted. And what's he distracted by? I want you to don't, don't miss this. Jesus points to the thing that this man is, is absolutely chained to. And you, you get this from his response. He says, if you want to be perfect, or if you really want to be complete, then go and sell your stuff and give to the poor. And the young man, when the young man heard this, verse 22, look at this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, look at that response. Don't miss it. He doesn't say anything to Jesus. He doesn't can say, okay, well, let me think about it. His reaction is, is sadness. And it's, Matthew says, because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when he's using a euphemism there to say it's impossible because in their day, a camel was the largest animal that they knew. And a needle is the smallest opening that it could possibly go through. And if you think about a euphemism, it's a way of saying something extreme or to compare one thing to another. And he's saying, look, it's impossible. Why is it impossible? is the question I want to talk about. Why, why is it impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, in this case, Jesus is talking about this man and what he was... I, I want to use the word. I don't want to overuse it, but it, it, it seems he was distracted by all the things that he had. And he was thinking, look, all of these things I've earned... All of these things I've made for myself, I'm successful, 
I've, I've, I've gained all these things and it's made me the person that I am and I see that I'm still not fulfilled. The man didn't want to be lowly because who wants to be lowly or who wants to be the lowliest? He and everyone else thought that great wealth equals greatness to God, which equals God's favor, right? I mean, that makes sense to us. We can wrap our heads around it. But Jesus was teaching this man and his disciples that great wealth here and now on earth does not equal greatness to God. Think about Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, and we learn about Herod, who was trying to be Israel's king and their representative. So he had great wealth. And here's what he did. Here, here was his character, which is why great wealth does not equal someone who God is behind. It says in verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So his response to the fact that there was a baby who was going to be king, it had been predicted, it had been prophesied, that Jesus was going to be Israel's king. Because if you go back and you hear what the Magi said, they came and visited Herod, and they said, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now Herod's response in his great wealth, in his great power, decided to kill innocent children. Now does that sound like greatness to you? Does that sound like someone who has God's favor? So that's just one example. And, and we could all recount thousands of examples where people with great wealth who may have had great power make horrible, terrible decisions, not out of love, certainly not out of care for others. So that's one example. Instead, let's say that a person of great wealth were to use that great wealth to help others or to sacrifice their great wealth to help people who were the lowliest and thereby becoming like the lowly, not just giving a few dollars here, but actually giving a lar large amounts that would position someone in the first century with those who were lowly. There's a risk. There's a risk with everything. There's a risk in doing that today. If you are overly generous, right? But that's, what, that's where Jesus was challenging this man because he was struggling, apparently not with keeping certain commandments, but with this dependence on his wealth. And he saw the wealth as his ticket into eternal life because he thought, what can I do? How can I purchase it? Can't, can't I just do that? 
Wouldn't that just be easier? <laughs> but see, this is where we realize the truth of this is that eternal life cannot be purchased simply by someone who has great wealth. Even people of great wealth have to accept that someone else has purchased it for them. And I really think that's, that's the challenge here. Because then, don't you owe somebody? Right? Isn't there? feels like there's an obligation. But Jesus didn't purchase us so that we would be obligated. No, he, he rescued us with the ransom of his life for ours in exchange for ours because he loves us. There's nothing in Scripture that obligates anyone to follow even after that. <laughs> we have the freedom to believe in him and to believe that he actually ransomed himself for us, that he, um, he died in our place. And I think just in humanity, in our rebellious state, it maybe, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's just our pride of saying, I don't really want to owe anybody anything. But to have eternal life, Jesus was saying, you have to get over your pride. You, you have to surrender that. And you, and you have to enter by humility, which is belief. It takes, it takes humility to believe that you can't save yourself. Jesus was asking this man to become like the lowliest. And he, and he couldn't accept that. And so that's why he walked away. He was saying, what's the way to eternal life? And Jesus said, okay, here, sell all your stuff and follow me. And by doing this, this man could become humble and lowly as Jesus was and as the 12 disciples were. But he didn't want that lifestyle. That was too much to sacrifice for him. And it, and it showed that he was more dependent on his wealth than he was willing to follow God. He could follow him a little bit. But not that much. That's too much. That's asking too much. And we feel that way today. It's just too much to ask to sell everything. But that's what this man was struggling with. You may not be struggling with that. You may be incredibly generous. And you may be incredibly humble. And that's something to celebrate. Because not everybody is. But, I, but that's what was keeping this young man from following Jesus. So he walks away. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And see, this was their issue also. They were thinking just like the culture, just like everyone there and was thinking, Wait a minute, great wealth equals greatness to God equals God's favor. That's what we've grown up learning. That's, that's, that's just how it works. And you're telling us that this is not the way it works? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. Meaning, people can't save themselves for eternal life. God is the only one who can save people from sin and death. And he would do that through his Son. Now Jesus doesn't say that here. He alludes to it 
several times, and he does actually following this encounter. The real issue here was that people were still equating greatness with some sort of position in this world. And Jesus was about to say and explain that greatness in God's kingdom, in, in eternal life, is something that I need to teach you about now because you clearly don't understand it and you need to understand that you can learn how to have greatness there even if you're not experiencing it here on earth and if you have experienced great wealth here this is how you can have it in eternal life and it's through humility it's not through keeping all of your things and all of the stuff because those things distract you and God rewards people who are givers who are not bound by the things that they have here now I don't think he's saying go and enter a life of poverty but I think it pushes us to ask the question am I a giver am I a cheerful generous giver and how can I do that more on a regular basis so that I can have what he says to the man, you'll have this great treasure in heaven. And then, and then he goes into an explanation. But he, Jesus explains this in response to Peter's answer. Well, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? In other words, wh why have we been following you? What's the incentive? And there is an incentive. There is reward for following Jesus, for believing in him and, and for becoming the lowliest, becoming humble. It's not just so that you can be stepped on. No, there is reward later in heaven for humbly sacrificing things for others. I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what it is God's calling you to, where he wants you to be more humble in your life who he wants you to be humble with. Maybe just to stop acting like you're a know-it-all. <laughs> That's a good starting point. We all are, we all are the know-it-all. And if, if you didn't know that, just ask us. <laughs> you know, perhaps it's just, perhaps it's like this man. Maybe you have great wealth. And you know that you're afraid if you didn't. And God might be putting opportunities in front of you to give, to help people who are in need. But you're saying, well, I don't know, we might need that for this or that. Maybe he's challenging you with that and saying, but when you give, you're releasing the hold that the world has on you now, and you're willing to trust that he will reward you there. That's what everyone struggles with. That's what the disciples were struggling with. That's what this young man was struggling with and that's what we're struggling with today and jesus said to them i tell you the truth and i mean it he said look i'm telling you that this is my promise and he says at the renewal of all things the new heavens and the new earth when the son of man sits on his glorious throne you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel and so you see there's a place of greatness there's a place of authority. Now, this is after following, after believing in Jesus, 
that you are a believing disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he says, and everyone, so he then includes all of us today, and anyone who has ever believed in him, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, look, because you believed in me and because you followed me and because of that faith, you'll have a hundred times as much as you sacrificed. Meaning exponential, exponential, exponential. In first century terms, this was beyond belief, beyond the great wealth that this man had just spoken about. And will inherit eternal life because of the faith that you put in me. But then, then he gives this uh, last statement that we all know, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. But what he's talking about is first being greatest and last being lowliest. So he's saying, but many who are greatest here on earth will be lowliest in God's kingdom. And many who are lowliest here will be greatest there. And so you see humility will bring greatness to you in his kingdom beyond belief, beyond your wildest dreams as far as what you will have. And see, the misconception we have is this, is that often we think about eternal life and we say, okay, well, you know, I'll just float on a cloud and I'm not going to have any responsibilities because that's really what we want, isn't it? We really don't want to do anything else. We've toiled our whole lives here and look, I'm sick of this. I'm going to my condo in Sarasota and I am going to sit on a beach and that's what I'm going to do. He says, look, when you finish your life, and I hope it's a long life, and in Proverbs, uh, Solomon talks about gray hair being a blessing and a crown on your head, that you have a long life to enjoy children and grandchildren and hopefully great-grandchildren and maybe great-great-grandchildren, who knows? But there's this sense of, but when it's all done, I just get to uh, punch my time clock and, and I'm out, <laughs> you know? That's when life begins, a life that is free from the burden of sin, a free, a, 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 a life free from shame, a life free from anything that you are chained to now, the disagreements you have uh, with loved ones, the things that have been happened to you in this life that are completely unfair, unjustified because of the broken and sinful world that we live in. Eternal life is not that. It is not that. It is this unveiled, unbroken, pure relationship with Jesus himself and with all the people that you've known that will recognize you and remember you and, and will welcome you in, will welcome you with loving arms. That's when true life will begin. And we have all kinds of wonderful things that God has planned for us. You have something extremely important that is, is the job and the responsibilities that God has for you in eternal life. It's beyond this place. It's Why else is it there? <laughs> it's not there to be just a hope and a dream. Jesus is saying, look, it's a real place, but you need to practice letting go 
of thinking you're so great here and you need to practice what it means to be lowly, to be humble. What are the things that you need to sell? What are the things that have you chained to this world or living in fear and keeping you from that freedom to say, you know what? I can give a ridiculous amount to the poor and I can smile about it. As Jesus said, and as Paul said too, it's about being a cheerful, joyful giver because that's who God is. We learn how to give because of what God has given and what he is willing to give in abundance is what Jesus is saying. He says, look, you're following me, Peter. Don't worry. I'm not trying to make you afraid. I don't want you to live in fear. Romans 8 verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And what death cannot do is take away our eternal life. It just can't because God in his power and in his goodness has made it so. But see, that's a step of faith. That's the step of faith you may need to be taking. And I just want to encourage you that it is, it is a place of freedom to surrender all of these things. And I have the things that I struggle with as well. Each of us do. I have the things that, that I, I feel that I'm perfect and complete. And I don't need God messing around in my business. And I, I, I feel for this man who walks away sad, saddened. Because he wasn't willing yet to surrender them. He wasn't willing to learn what it meant to follow Christ to this place of freedom, this place of joy, this place of satisfaction, this place where he could be and feel complete in Christ and not feel like he had to buy something else to feel that way. Because don't you know it spoils, it perishes, it fades, the screen cracks, it breaks. <laughs> uh, we drop it two days after we buy it. So we forgot to get a screen protector <laughs> and we can't. And, we, and then we have to go buy another one because it doesn't work unless you have Apple Care, right? Or whatever care. <laughs> but that's the point. And Jesus says, look, it's about focusing everyone. He says, everyone, if you follow me, you will not be disappointed. You have this amazing hope of something very tangible waiting for you. And next week, we're going to look at this, the next section in, in chapter 20 that says, why the lowliest will be the greatest. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But I just want to pray with you today because this is, this is a lot to digest and a lot to take in. But where are you today? What's the thing that you're struggling with? The thing that you're holding on too tightly to that's keeping you from connecting with Christ? Because Jesus said, look, my my." He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to weigh you down. I'm going to lift you up. Just follow me. Learn from me. And then decide. Decide if you want to put your faith in me. I want you to so badly, but I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to force you to do it. But I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to come to the earth so that you can know me and so that you can relate to me and so that I can help you know that I relate to you and I, and I know you. And I want these great things for you. And I don't want you to feel like you have to earn them anymore. I don't want you to feel like you have to perform for me because you don't. You don't have to perform for me. You're my child. And I love you with an everlasting, 
unconditional love that will never end. It had no beginning and it has no end. And it's one that will never condemn you, will never make you feel afraid or full of shame, regardless of anything you have ever done, are doing currently, or ever will do in your life here on earth. And I have this life that carved out for you in this dream that I've put into you. And I'm, I'm, I'm restoring you. I'm bringing you back to that place of restoration through my son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that that's how much I love you. Dear Father, help us, help us to accept that today, wherever we are, wherever we are in your, in your journey, in your process, and just following you, believing in you, learning to obey you in that belief that through our faith, Lord, you have this work for us to do, these good things of how you can restore us, our family, our friends, our neighborhoods, our communities, our state, our country, our world. It's not beyond hope. Help us to engage in that kind of relationship with you, Lord, where we are humble again, where we return to you again, to be changed into your likeness, to be influenced by your goodness, to willingly be lowly now, and to know that helping others now and sacrificing ourselves and our selfish motives now for the sake of others and giving abundantly and generously to them in whatever way you call us to do will result in this hundredfold reward, this, this place of eternal greatness that will never go away, that will never fade. Help us to be lowly now so that we might become great in your eyes and with your help only. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 343 Ministries podcast. As always, we encourage you to donate to our ministry at 343ministries.com slash give. Together, we can all make a difference in this world. 343 Ministries, Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. Also, subscribe to our monthly devotional email for actionable strategies on how you can build up your community in Christ right where you are. And for more ideas, inspiration, and tips, follow us on Instagram at Todd and Meredith Baker. Todd and Meredith Baker